Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share a recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on this solo episode, I will be sharing how I think about the art of cold outreach. On social media, we idolize entrepreneurs and creators and people seem to have made it. But a lot of the time, the path to making it is pretty unsexy and it just requires consistency and often a lot of cold outreach. You may have heard me say passive income is the secret to life, which I joke about sometimes, but so is cold outreach. If you can master the art of cold outreach, you'll get a lot more opportunities than you ever could have imagined. Today, I'm going to walk through six different sections. What is cold outreach? The differences between cold calling and cold emailing. Opportunities I've gotten through cold outreach. The tools and platforms that I like to use. How this all actually works in practicality. And then my three final tips. So let's get started. So what is cold outreach? I think the only thing I wanted to really say here is there's a difference between cold versus warm. Cold means you don't know anybody. You don't know that person, or at least they don't know you. Warm means you either know each other or someone you know knows them. And that person that you know has made the introduction. Obviously, warm intros are always going to get you farther. But most people that are starting out in their career, especially 20-somethings, which is who the show is targeted for, typically don't have much of a network. We all start out somewhere. So cold is typically the default path. So the main difference is between cold calling and cold emailing. So there's a lot of differences. I've done both. So cold calling is often mostly associated, at least with what I've seen, with sales jobs. They make you do this a lot. I've done this twice in my life. I worked for a call center once which was like one of my first jobs, I would basically call alumni at my college and ask them for donations. Definitely taught me a lot. I ended up like keeping them on the phone for a while and just asking about their lives. But it taught me a lot talking to random people and calling them up out of the blue. A second job where I've done this is at Morgan Stanley. A lot of the times if you do like wealth management or asset management of any kind, you have to get your clients. And how do you get clients? One of the ways is by cold calling. And so Basically, what we would do is talk to people, see if they qualified for our minimum amount, and then ask people to basically like take initial meetings with us to eventually park their money with us. A lot of entry-level jobs in business end up being sort of like bottom of the totem pole sales. People like it because you can make commission and you can do really well if you're good with people. But when I think of cold calling, I really think of sales and typically sales at an organization. I think this is definitely much scarier than cold emailing because if it wasn't obvious, you have to really think on your feet, right? Like you're live, you're talking. You have to learn how to build rapport with someone. So you can't just jump right into the ask and say, 
you know, hi there, nice to me. You can give us money. Can you give the university money? You really have to like build up the rapport and you have to get to know them. And that takes time and that takes practice. It's also scary because you have to keep someone on the line with you. Unlike an email where someone can just like skim it or come back to it or reread it, this is like all live in real time and you've got to keep their attention. You obviously get a lot of no's and a lot of hangups and it makes you build tough skin. So I think while it is scarier of the two, it'll probably teach you much faster how cold outreach should be done and can be done best. I will say, I think cold calling is not as common for building a business, unless maybe you're selling to organizations like restaurants that don't use their email. It's most common while working sales jobs, in my opinion. The next bucket is this like cold emailing, messaging, basically using copy versus voice to get your point across. Obviously, like the cold DMing and messaging ends up being very similar to cold emailing. You just have less room to pitch. My two cents is if you ever send a cold DM to someone or they DM you, just always take it off to email. That way you can really link things much more easily. You can bold things much more easily. So that's just my two cents about cold messaging is uh, always move it to email. Okay, so now cold emailing. Like I said, it's very different than cold calling. Here are some of the tips I have for cold emailing. And like I said, this is typically what you're going to have to do if you want to build a business. You're going to typically go the email route. So these are some of my tips. Tip one is to always email individuals and not businesses. This applies to pretty much everything. I think when you're obviously selling a product, you should find the person that's the decision maker, at least the person that's on the team, and find their email and email them directly versus emailing like a general info at or sales at. In my opinion, I've seen this work best. If you're also recruiting and you want to reach out to, let's say you're applying for a marketing role, yes, you can, of course, do the normal application and your application could get flagged. I do think it's always great to reach out to the person who like runs marketing or who runs HR because I've found when you go to an individual, you speak to an individual, it just goes much farther and it shows a bit more like thoughtfulness. So tip one, always email individuals, not businesses when cold, doing cold outreach and cold emailing. Tip two, always lead with the most eye-catching info in your first sentence slash your first paragraph. So like if you've given a talk of some kind, like a TED talk, if you hypothetically have a prestigious role or you've built something really interesting, maybe you have a lot of experience in a certain industry, you're a 20-year vet in the, you know, I don't know, food and bev industry, whatever it may be, always mention that first because for the most part, it's like recruiters always say with resumes, like they just kind of skim it and they like read the first top couple sentences in the email. So always lead with the most eye-catching info. Tip three, short and sweet. My rule of thumb is eight sentences or less. Typically things end up being like four to five sentences, but I would say eight should be the max. I've seen when you go much longer, response rates really drop. Again, I'm sharing generalizations here. It's so dependent on what you're actually doing cold outreach on, of course, but this is what works for me. And then the other thing that I would say with the short and sweet is you can do it in eight sentences or less if you link out to a lot of things. So let's say you're trying to sell someone on your business and let's say you provide copywriting services as an example. You could list out in the email, I help with this, I help with that. My testimonials say this, my, I find just link to it just link to each part of your website that explains it so that you keep your email really brief. If people want to learn more, they know where to find that information because they will see it's linked. So keeping it short and sweet often means linking a lot. Tip four, in your cold email, have a very clear ask. This is the one thing that I think, at least when I get like cold emails or cold DMs, I tend to be pretty 
forward in my response and just say like, what's the ask? Like, I think if you are asking if someone's interested in learning more, if you're asking if they can be a guest on your podcast, if you're asking for 15 minutes on a call, that's all fine. I would just put it in bold and make it very clear. Like whatever the question is, just make it short, sweet, and clear. For people that are really busy, they are like trying to like skim the email and just figure out like, what's the point of this? The other thing is if you do have this ask for someone's time, like, can we set up 15 minutes to chat? I would make it extremely clear why you want to speak with them. I think a lot of people, especially since COVID, especially since everything's gone remote, there is a tendency for people to be super protective over their time and just want to do everything async. And I actually see this getting more and more extreme, like with every passing day since the pandemic started, it takes a lot for someone to get on a call. And so I would say like, if you are, if that is part of your ask, make it really, really clear what you want to get out of the call and why you want to set up a call. Maybe it is to do a very quick product demo. Okay, well, why couldn't you send that async via like a loom or another video of some kind? Make sure that the reason for hopping on the call makes a lot of sense. Otherwise, just send your ask async and have them look at it when they're available. But I just think people aren't protective enough or aware enough of busy people's time when it comes to setting up calls. And I've seen that that can really shoot people in the foot. My fifth tip is to follow up. And I know people say that and it's so important. I heard someone yesterday on a podcast, she was looking for an investment. She was raising for her fund and it took for the 13th follow-up for the person to say, I'm in. 13th. So people will sometimes ask me when I say follow-up, they'll say, okay, how much and how frequently? So this is like my rule of thumb. Again, everyone's different. This is what I've seen work. And of course, you can like set reminders and stuff inside your Gmail or Superhuman or whatever you're using. So my tip is to follow up every seven days and just keep it simple. Following up here, thanks. Following up three times until you basically, yeah, the first time you reach out, you follow up a second time, you follow up a third time, and then you pause for like a month. Because at this point, you've emailed them three weeks in a row. I like to pause for a month, then follow up a fourth time and keep up that rhythm of like, basically a three-week chunk of following up and then one-month pause. And then a three-week chunk and then a one-month pause. And I think just keep going until you hear an answer. Not everyone agrees with that. Some people think that you, (laughs) like three times and then you're done. But in my opinion, I think that people can get really busy. Emails can get buried. And also months down the line, something may make more sense than it did when you first reached out. So I would say follow up in that three-week, one-month off chunk that I was mentioning. And then my final tip for cold emailing is to keep A-B testing your emails and your subject line. So again, like I said, I think short and sweet. I think take a lot of these tips, put the most jam-packed stuff in the first sentence or the first paragraph. But I also think you have to A-B test it, like especially the subject lines. People think putting urgent and emojis and all that stuff is going to get them noticed in the subject line. I personally have not seen that work well, but I think it is kind of switching it around. So like if you want to grab time with someone, it's, you know, grab 15 minutes talking about my demo, like keeping it conversational and not too aggressive and switching it up and seeing what gets more opens. So my tip here was just like send 20 or so with one template, see what the open ends up looking like, the open rates, the response rates, then maybe switch it up just a little and then try it again for the next 20 and just see how that goes. Okay. So those are my cold calling versus cold emailing differences and my cold emailing tips. Obviously cold emailing is so different than cold calling. So a lot of the stuff that I've done, like I said, I did two jobs where I was cold calling, but a lot of the things that I've really done and opportunities I've gotten have been cold emailing. So for the remainder of this podcast, I'm really just going to be mostly focused on cold emailing. All right. So 
opportunities I've gotten via cold email. So I'm just going to go through these very briefly, but I did just want to prove how many things have come because I've asked for them cold. These things have not fallen in my lap. These things have not been like a warm intro. Literally when I say cold, I mean like the other person had never heard of me before and I was sending an ask out with absolutely no tie, no connection, nothing. So there's a few main things I've gotten cold. The first is building my first business all on cold email. The first 100 clients that we got ended up literally being like one at a time, sending emails through Gmail, being like, hi, I'm building this. I'd love to chat. I'd love to help you. And just working my way through it very, very slowly. For me, I figured out what my ratio was. Like if one in every 10 people replied to my email and said they'd set up a call, and then one in every three people that set up a call said yes, then I was like, okay, it's one in every 30. And if I want to hit 100 clients, then I need to hit whatever, 3,000 emails, things like that. So you just kind of work backwards. And I literally built the whole first business that way. I was lucky enough that nonprofits were our clients. It's pretty easy to find nonprofits online. They all have Instagrams. Their emails were in their bio. But that was how I built my first business. I also sold my first business, that business, via cold email. People are like, how did you sell your business? I'm like, like I literally, I didn't know how to do that. So what I did was I sent cold emails to like the COOs or the CEOs at six competitors, like they all, a lot of them didn't do what we did, but they were kind of like adjacent to what we were doing or they did it in the UK and I was doing it in the US or whatever it might be. And I just sent a cold email to the CEO or CEO and I was like, hi, I'm building this. I've got this many partnerships. These are my numbers. You know, I'm I'm looking to kind of build something else. I'm looking to get this off my hands. Would you want to chat about maybe buying off the partnerships? Literally, just like cold email. And I emailed the COO and the CEO because I was like, they probably are the ones that are deciding. And I literally worked that way. Like I emailed, I think, six people and I ended up getting, having four conversations and then like two offers. And so that's literally what happened. And I say that because everyone talks about, like, especially on Twitter, they're like, oh, I sold this and oh, I worked so hard. I'm like, anyone can do that. It makes it sound so scary. It makes it sound like there's this like secret portal where everyone sells something. And, you know, and I didn't sell it for a crazy amount of money, but like I went to the source, I knew who would find it valuable. And I just literally sent an email. And so I would say that like a lot of the people that we admire, and I know I keep coming back to this, but like a lot of the people that we admire or that get posted on all these lists, like they built their whole thing by most of the time, cold emailing at least part of the way. So I think that's just something important to note. A couple other things via cold email. I did a woman's summit in college. All of our speakers, I'll say most of our speakers, there were a couple of friends in there, but most of our speakers, Laverne Cox, Allie Webb, Aaron and Sarah Foster, crazy people via cold email. I got them to come via cold email. We got six figures in sponsorship dollars, EY, Google, Amgen, KPMG, PIMCO, like huge, huge organizations, cold email. So like, I just say that because I think a lot of people look at that and they think, oh, you must know someone or, oh, you must whatever. And in reality, like it really just takes reaching out. I've mentioned this before, but working with Fireside and having my podcast on here, that was also cold email. My current job, I sent a cold email to the founder of the company I work for now. I said, I think I could help you. Do you want to chat? It was like that simple. And then I have a real estate business on the side just for investments securing those properties, like a lot of the mentorship that I've gotten, cold email. That's literally it. So I say all that because I want people to know that I don't, no one in my family does business. (laughs) I don't have connections. There's no nepotism. It's literally just like having the guts to just reach out to people and doing it cold. 
Okay, so the next couple sections are just like tools to use and how does this work? Just from a practicality standpoint, I did just like want to walk through my own process. So the tools that I use, it's like a very simple stack and most of this is free. So step one is finding the right person. I use LinkedIn or Twitter. This is very obvious, but if I'm looking for the head of marketing at some company or the head of HR, whatever it might be, literally just type in company LinkedIn, I find the name. Then what I'll do is I'll go to a site like Rocket Reach. There's a lot of them out there and I'll basically find the right email format for that company. So like, let's say I want to find the head of marketing at Nike. What I'll do is I'll type in Nike Rocket Reach and it'll show me of all the Nike employees, maybe 30%, the format is first name dot last name at nike.com. And then for another 30%, of the employees. It's actually first name hyphen last name at nike.com. And then for the last 40%, maybe it's just first name initial last name at nike.com. This is just a hypothetical. I have no idea. But it basically shows you the percentages for the email format. And so let's say I'm trying to reach Jane Smith at Nike. What I'll do is I'll go to then the third tool, which is like a mail tester or hunter, just type an email tester on Google and you'll see a million of them come up. And what you'll do is you'll then type in, okay, if I'm looking for Jane Smith and 40% is first initial dot last name at nike.com, I'll type in j.smith at nike.com, test the email and see if it's valid or not. Okay, let's say it comes back invalid. No problem. I'll go to the next 30% one. Jane.smith at nike.com. Oh, that came back valid. Okay, that's the email. So you just run it through and you find what's the right email. Okay, now that I have the right email, I just send it on Gmail or Superhuman if you have that. Some people have Superhuman, some people don't. If you just use Gmail, download MailTrack. It has the Superhuman functionality where you can basically track your email and how often it's been opened and when it's been opened. So just download MailTrack and send your email and you can then see when it's been opened, how often it's been opened, and that'll help you with your follow-ups. So like if let's say you keep following up over and over again and nobody's opening your email, it's probably a dead email. Got to find a new email. If someone keeps opening it a bunch of times or you see that it's been forwarded, maybe they're interested in the opportunity. So I always recommend that people do that. Tracking your email, I mean, I do it for my personal emails too, totally separate from any cold outreach. I just like knowing when people are opening my things and they're not. Okay. So those are my tools. LinkedIn, Twitter to find the person, rocket reach to find the email format, mail tester or hunter to test the email format, Gmail or superhuman to send the email. And if you use Gmail, download MailTrack to track the email. Okay. Those are the tools. Next, I'm going to go through how does this actually work? The first process is to use the tools process I mentioned above. Most of the time when you hear back from someone, they will want to set up a call or learn more. So let's say you've executed on that, you've sent your ask out and someone says, okay, let's chat. Now it's go time. So on the call, like I said, you have to be very clear with the ask, just like you were in the email, concise with your pitch. So whatever you're selling to them, be very, very concise. There is nothing worse than a rambler when that other person is like reached out to you. Be so unbelievably concise. I think that's another thing that I see go wrong often. And then listen to what they really, really want. This is not an opportunity for you to just say whatever's on your mind. This is an opportunity to see if there's a match between the two of you. So I think a lot of that has to come down to really listening. My advice for this piece of being on the call is actually to read a lot of human psychology and negotiation books. And I know that may sound a little counterintuitive. You may think like, oh, you should like read a book on like cold emailing or like setting up calls or something more specific. I've actually found that negotiation and like understanding psych 
are far better for getting what you want and for having the right outcome when it comes to things like sales and building your business than anything else. So from a negotiation standpoint, a book recommendation I have is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. He discusses concepts like mirroring, basically just repeat back to someone what they're saying, labeling, you label the emotions that they're showing you, active listening, things like that. Even though his book is about negotiations, I actually think it's extremely applicable to like sales and first time calls and getting to know someone. I would say I try as much as possible to spend 90% of my time, even if I'm just meeting someone for the first time, like, and it's just like a cold outreach, I spend probably 90% of my time listening. If I can get away with it, I try to talk as little as possible and I'll do some of these exercises. At this point, it's more subconscious, but this mirroring, this labeling, there's a lot of other things that he mentions in that book I would say are really valuable. The one psychology book that I will recommend that I also think has been really helpful is Think Again by Adam Grant. I'm a huge Adam Grant fan, but I think this book in particular does a really good job of walking through like how to be successful at getting what you want and how to be a great leader. Because I think a lot of the times people will help you and believe in you if they feel like you're a strong leader. No matter your age, no matter how much experience you have, people can sense certain things. And so I think it's important to adopt some of the philosophies that Adam Grant's laid out. The one philosophy in particular is this like idea of confident humility. I think this really, really comes out in communication. And so I would say that that's something to really study if you haven't already. It's this idea. He has this great chart, which I'll explain to you now. We'll also post it on the Dear 20-something Instagram. So if what I'm saying does not make sense, you can visualize it and scroll back a little bit. So the x-axis is competence and the y-axis is confidence. And so the chart basically shows if you have a lot of competence and no confidence, which basically means you're really good at what you do, but no confidence, you suffer from imposter syndrome. And we all know what that's like. Then if you have no competence and you have a lot of confidence, basically you have no ability, but a lot of confidence, you suffer from armchair quarterback syndrome, also known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. You basically like your head's way bigger than it should be and you really haven't done that many great things and you come off very pretentious. So those are kind of the two extremes. Then you have no competence and no confidence, which is just a novice. You're just a beginner. You're like aware that you don't know much and you don't have much confidence. But then there's this like sweet spot and it's basically like a line straight through it. So when you have an equal amount of competence and confidence, just to visualize almost like a straight line through, that's the confident humility zone. And it's a narrow zone and it's really hard to stay in. It's really hard to also know how competent you are at any point in time. It's also hard to always stay the same amount of confident because words can knock you down. Actions can knock you down. Performance reviews can knock you down. But it's this idea that like just above novice in that middle zone is this confident humility. And we should all strive to be more like that. And this idea that Adam Grant shares that like that's what real successful leaders are like. They're very rare, but they possess confident humility a lot of the time. The last thing I will just say on this, how does this work piece is just make sure you really know what you're talking about and be prepared for any and all questions. This might be obvious, but if you are asking someone for their time, ideally that other person or most likely that other person is in more of a power position, you should know what you're talking about or at least really know your own lane. Okay, so that's it. That's kind of how it works in practicality, the tools to use and then how this should work and and a couple of book recommendations to make sure that call goes very well. I have just three final tips to keep in mind and then that's it. This is after reviewing kind of everything I put together. These are like the three things I would love to make sure you take away separate from all the book recommendations and all the, you know, the tools and things like that. These are just like the three high level points. 
It's important to remember that the biggest entities that you know of, typically businesses, started with cold emails. Microsoft, cold emails. It started with cold emails. Some of the biggest creators you know sent cold DMs to brands that they loved. And now they've got partnerships and their own businesses and all the things. But so much of what these people have created has started from the desire to start with cold outreach and to do cold outreach. Very, very few people in this world have all the connections, especially when they're young, especially when they're 20-something. So I would say just keep that in mind. Everyone started somewhere and the biggest entities you know, like the businesses and the creators, all started with cold outreach. The second tip is someone said this to me once and I really love it. It's pay attention to jealousy. So if something or someone makes you jealous, that means you want what they have. So pay attention to it. If you're jealous that someone sold their business or someone travels a lot or someone has a happy relationship, pay attention to those moments and take steps to bring that into your own life. If you're jealous of someone being in a relationship, start dating. Not saying you should slide into people's DMs necessarily, but it's this idea that like if other people are doing things that you find yourself having envy over, start building it, start taking action. And a lot of the times that starts with cold outreach, especially if you're at the very beginning. So pay attention to jealousy. And then the third one that I'll say is small steps really compound. Again, start today and know that law of averages on your side. I gave the example with the business earlier, but just calculate your odds. If one in every 20 people will say yes to you and you want five clients to start your social media business or whatever it might be, reach out to 100 people. Like it's just that simple. Like calculate your odds, use the law of averages, and then just go for it. It's, it's really that simple. It's a numbers game. And with every passing call and every passing email, it just gets easier and easier. And with every passing rejection, it just gets easier and easier. So that's it. Those are my thoughts on the art of cold outreach. I certainly don't have it all figured out, but I did want to just share some of my tips that have worked for me in the past. If there's something that you really want in your life and you're thinking about doing some cold outreach, I would say go for it. Let me know how it goes, but believe in yourself and all the greats started somewhere. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.